All of those things, Scripture speaks to how we ought to live and how we ought to exercise the authority and jurisdiction granted to us by him in those contexts. So it's you to God, then it's your family. The next one and the last one I'm going to talk about today, although there are many others, there's, there's jurisdiction at work, there's jurisdiction at the PTA meeting, there's jurisdiction in all kinds of different places, but I'm going to go to number three. We're just hitting the top three. You and God, your family to God, and then the church. That's your next jurisdiction, the church. So what does jurisdiction and judgment in the church mean? And what about outside the church? Well, both are often misunderstood, misused, and even abused. So let's dive in and find out what God wants us to know. Here's Pastor David. Within the church, there are a number of different jurisdictional things going on. The first one is this. God has appointed and set aside the elders of the church to have jurisdiction and spiritual authority and responsibility over the church. Some people don't like that. In fact, most elders I know don't like it because it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. It is an incredible responsibility and act of service to be responsible for the spiritual lives of other people. It's difficult But the Bible is God's word, and it is clearly set up that way in Scripture. And I tend to get myself in trouble when I go against Scripture. That's just my experience. And so that's the way he's done it. It is not an act. It is not an office that you want to aspire to. It is not something that puts you above other people. In fact, it is in the likeness of what Christ has taught us. It is an act of service. It is, a, it is putting yourself not above others, but below others and serving them. That's the role of an elder. But elders do have certain jurisdictional authority within the church that they are responsible to exercise lovingly and in a godly and righteous way. Okay? There are a number of other jurisdictions. Every single person in Christ's body has jurisdiction in certain areas, different areas for different people. Some of you might lead a ministry. Some of you might teach and ask kids. Some of you might be the people who built these things back here that are going to look a lot better next week than they do this week. Some of you might be people that do all, you're in your life group, right? You have certain jurisdictional authority and so on. Within that, within that more intimate group that God's called you to, to help hold people accountable and to encourage and to do these kinds of things. Every one of you has a jurisdiction, if you're a Christ follower, in his body. There are many roles that require you to exercise judgment. And jurisdiction. The most important role, though, of every single person in Jesus Christ's church is to love your brothers and sisters in Christ and all those made in the image and likeness of God. That is your most important role. That is the one that defines and shapes everything else that you do. And part of that love, real love, involves exercising a jurisdiction that many people would like to get out of. A jurisdiction that many people would like to use Matthew 7, 1 to avoid. That's the jurisdiction and responsibility of judging your brothers and sisters who name themselves brothers and sisters in Christ who are in unrepentant sin. That is in your jurisdiction, in your authority, and an obligation. 
Usually we're talking about a lifestyle sin, okay? Many times in scripture, it'll be something like a sexual sin, a lifestyle where you're having sexual relationships outside of a marriage between one man and one woman for life. And you're just living that way, right? That's one way. Another way might be uh, honesty sins, like you steal from work all the time, okay? Or you, you cheat on your taxes all the time, or you gossip all the time. Sometimes it's a persistent addiction, like drunkenness or drug use. Sometimes it's overeating or laziness. All of these things can become lifestyle sins when we're unrepentant about them. And we're not seeking the the help of the Lord to repent, to forgive, and to help us transform from them. When we just decide to do them and they become part of our lifestyle, they become unrepentant. When we're not broken over them, when we're not confessing, repenting, and turning away from them. In those situations, we are called to judge a brother or a sister who is in unrepentant sin. We're to go to them in love, in humility, and call them to repentance. Exhort them, encourage them to repentance. If they won't listen to you, you're to take one or two other people so that two or three witnesses are there. As again, in humble love, you go to that person and encourage and exhort them and call them to repentance and transformation. If they still won't listen, you got to take it to the church. And then the elders of the church have to remove that person from fellowship. It's a tough step. It's a tough thing. Not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to preach about, frankly. We have everything about how that works. Christ talks about it in Matthew 18. So if you want to look into Matthew 18, you can see what that looks like. We also have this from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 12. He's dealing with this guy. This guy has been sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother. He's been having sexual relations with his stepmother. And the church has just been kind of ignoring it. They're like, okay, that's going on, but I don't want to say anything. Do you want to say anything? I don't want to say anything. Judge not, right? And so no one said anything. So this is what Paul says. I wrote to you in my epistle, that's a letter, epistle, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to, be, to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Paul is teaching a very clear jurisdictional distinction, okay? The limits of our jurisdiction as a church. We are not to judge those outside the church, okay? And there's reasons for that, okay? First of all, their sin is a symptom of a problem. The problem is they're not in Christ. That's the first part of your authority, to go and make disciples, that the Holy Spirit might draw them and transform them. So we are not to go judging people outside the church. You're not supposed to go to your neighbor's house, look in the window. Oh, that's what you're watching on Netflix? Judge, judge, judge. Who else is sinning around here? Who's sinning, right? And judging. That is not your job. It is not your jurisdiction. Paul's clear. If you were to do that, if you had to separate yourself from everybody who was in persistent, unrepentant sin that was outside of the church in the world, as he says, you would literally have to go to some island somewhere or take a rocket ship to Mars or I guess wrap yourself in bubble wrap and not ever talk to anybody or be around anybody. 
Because the world is full of unrepentant sinners. But the church ought not to be. The church ought not to be. And so he's saying, well, we don't judge those outside the church. You better believe we judge those inside the church who are in unrepentant sin. He's, he's upset with these people in Corinth because they have not exercised the judgment that shows love that a brother and sister in Christ should have for one another. Inside the church, we are to judge the unrepentant sinner and remove them from communion with the church until they repent. Now, when they repent, oh, they're back. Open arms, full grace. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Every one of us has desperately needed the grace of Jesus Christ. And they get it. When they repent and they come back home, they're home. We forget it. We don't think about it anymore. We bring them back in and we love them. Whether that's one person going to them and they repent, whether that's two or three witnesses going to them and repent, or whether they've been removed from the church and they come back and repent, they are brought back in with open and loving arms because that's who we are, full of grace. But they are not, we are not to allow it to go on without judgment. We cannot ignore our responsibilities in our jurisdiction. Let me tell you why. When a father does not exercise the jurisdiction that he has within his family, he's not there. He doesn't, he doesn't exercise the jurisdiction, the obligations, the responsibilities of being a father. His children suffer. It's called a broken home for a reason. It's broken because someone is not fulfilling their jurisdictional role. And it will have an effect. Now, can Christ heal and restore anything, a broken home or not? Of course he can. But that doesn't mean it's not broken. That does not mean it's not broken. If your boss at work was to not fulfill her jurisdiction, okay? So you're working, and she's on the do not judge train, the you do you train, and you don't show up for work. She goes, hey, who am I to judge? You do you. You go to the cash register, you take all the money out, you stick it in your pocket. And she goes, who am I to judge? You do you. How long is that business going to be around? Not long. It's broken. It's going to fail. When people do not exercise the jurisdiction they are called to exercise, whatever that body is that they're supposed to exercise jurisdiction over, it fails. It breaks. It damages people. It harms people. It's not loving. It's not loving. 40% of children in this country, they tell us, are now being born outside of marriages. That means people are not exercising their responsibilities and jurisdictions properly. When the people of Christ's body, the church, do not take on their jurisdictional responsibilities, the church suffers and is broken. Period. That's how it works. The church must exercise its jurisdiction or it will not be effective. Let me tell you why. Because we cannot tell the world that we believe the Scripture and ignore our responsibilities that come from the Scripture. We can't do that. We cannot say we believe there's such a thing as right or wrong. That we believe that there's such a thing as following all of Jesus' commands and yet ourselves, we are not following them. And then we ignore those who are naming themselves brothers and sisters in Christ who are unrepentant sin, destroying themselves, and we expect people to take us seriously. Even they, 
Even the unbeliever, even the person in the world calls dad, mom, son, uncle Steve, whoever to account when he shows up for Christmas dinner drunk as a skunk and scares the kids. Even they will say, enough. And yet we in the church sometimes to a fault will ignore sin that's going on right in front of us that's destroying the person who's involved in it because we don't want to confront and we don't want to be judgy. There is a place to be judgy. You really do have places where you're supposed to judge. If there's a couple in the church that have been in the Lord, they're professing Christ as their Savior, they're saying they're a Christian, and they're living together and having sex with one another, and they're not married, they're harming themselves. For you to sit by and ignore it sends a few very clear messages. One, it tells your 12-year-old daughter, who you're trying to tell not to live that way, that you don't really believe what you're saying because you're smiling and laughing and, and whatever with the person who is living that way. That's the first thing it says. The second thing it says is to the couple, I don't love you enough to help pull you back or stand in the gap for you or give you something to hold on to, to pull you out of sin that is harming you. And the third thing it says is to the world, we don't really believe what we say we believe. We would rather be comfortable. Comfortable, which is selfishness than effective. We would rather be comfortable than truly love. That is not a message that the church should be sending to the world. It is not a message that we should be sending to our children, and it is not a message that we should be sending to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with unrepentant sin. It's a mess. It's a mess. People who don't exercise jurisdiction over their children are generally bad parents. And they generally have the kinds of children that you don't like to be around. If you've ever been around parents who don't exercise any jurisdiction over their children, you know what I'm talking about. Churches who do not exercise jurisdiction and judge the actions of their brothers and sisters who are living in unrepentant sin will be anemic and sick in anything they try to do to fulfill the Great Commission because they're broken. Know your jurisdiction and act in your jurisdiction. Not outside of it, but within it. Jesus is not saying you can't judge anything ever. You actually have some very clear places where you are to judge and some very clear places where you are not to. He's telling you to do unto others what you would have them do to, unto you. And I'll tell you this, you should want others to judge your sin if you fall into unrepentant sin. You should desire that for yourself. If I start to fall into an unrepentant, sinful life, and none of you come to me and say, David, I love you. We're, don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to your family. Don't, don't go this direction. If you, none of you say that, I hate to tell you, but you don't love me. And if you won't say it to each other, you don't love each other. You love your comfort. You love not being a judgmental person. You love being tolerant. G.K. Chesterton says, tolerance is the virtue of the man with no convictions. And he's not wrong. Absolute tolerance of everything, anything goes, says that you don't believe anything. It's selfishness. It's cowardice. And Christ's church is not full of cowards but of courageous men and women, strong in the power of the Holy Spirit, who march against the gates of hell. That's who we are. 
The church of Jesus Christ has been, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the restraining force against evil in the world since Pentecost. For 2,000 years, there has been one restraining force against evil in the world. One group of people who has marched against the gates of hell consistently and persistently, and it has been Christ's church. And if you don't believe me, just read history. You can't get away from it. And anyone who truly understands is being honest knows that that's the truth. If you want to be that, you got to be strong, you got to be courageous, and you got to hold grace and judgment in tension. You cannot be anything goes, Mr. Grace. That's not grace. That's cowardice. And you cannot be, I'm judging everything and everybody's whatever, and I'm right and everybody else is wrong. That's also cowardice. Those are easy. You know what's hard? I love you. I love you, but you have to change. I love you, but this isn't good for you. I love you, but I'm going to hold you accountable. And if you continue to call yourself a a, a Christian and a follower of Christ, and yet you continue to violate everything that Christ has told you to do persistently and without repentance, I will separate myself from you for your sake. Whether it's your kid, whether it's your best friend, whoever it is, they do not get higher than the jurisdiction of you and, and Jesus Christ. You must be willing to do what it takes to help people grow. And I will tell you my experience. Normally speaking, if it's truly a brother or sister in Christ, even if you get all the way to I've got to separate myself from relationship with you, the Holy Spirit then has the opportunity to create the circumstances in that person's life to bring them back. They will never come back if you enable them and make it easy. Why should they change their lifestyle if nothing has to change? If all of their brothers and sisters in Christ are clearly fine with it, whatever it is, why should they change? you got to have something come up against you. The father chastens the child he loves. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Then don't give me Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be judged, as if it meant that you're not allowed to judge anything. That's nonsense. Don't judge the world. It's not your job. God's already judged the world. Don't judge what's in the hearts and minds of others. It's not your job. It's not your jurisdiction. You can't do it. Don't condemn people. Not your job. Not your jurisdiction. Can't do it. Judging the actions and the fruits of your brothers and sisters in Christ to bring them to repentance. Absolutely your job and your obligation. And if you're not doing it, you are not being a good Christ follower. Now that'll change the way things go. And that'll change what people look to when they look to the church. Because what they should be looking to is a rock in the middle of a swirling sea that they're all being blown around in. And there's one thing to grab onto. There's one thing that is foundationally solid, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. And the only way we're going to look to them foundationally solid, a place that they can be rescued, is if we are operating the way that Christ has set up for us to operate. Or else they're just going to swim on by. Because we don't look very stable over here. But that's not what Christ's church should look like. That's not what God's children look like. And it can easily be who we become. Let's make sure that we are doing what God has called us to do. That we continue to cry out to an upside down and dying world. That there is good news. That Jesus Christ has died and risen again. And that people can be saved and experience the power of his resurrection and transformation in their lives. And the way that we do that is by being solid. Us to God, us to our families, us to the church.
And then people will listen. People will be drawn to that because it's something solid in the most murky world that I've ever heard of at any time in history. Everything is going, and there's only going to be one rock that's still standing, and that's Jesus Christ and his church. So are you one of those that Pastor David talked about today? Are you a believer that needs to take care of some sin in your life? Or are you in that swirling sea looking for a rock to save you? If so, we want to help. There's peace, hope, and forgiveness in Christ. So please call us, 360-885-9000. No tricks, no gimmicks, just Jesus. 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time for another great Bible lesson here on Contemplate.